Sup, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt, a very, very special episode. I have the immense pleasure of sitting down with the podfather himself, Adam Carey, to talk about podcasting 2.0, Sphinx app, the media landscape, the future of podcasting, the future of money, the future of life on this planet. I think you guys are going to like it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's fanboying a little bit. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do listen to this, make sure you download the Cash App. What's the Cash App, you ask? What's the Cash App, you ask? I'll tell you what the Cash App is. The Cash App is an app. It's going to allow you to stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets, if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 because you can make sats the standard within the app. We're no longer buying fractions of a Bitcoin, son. We're stacking whole sats. We're stacking millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of sats for you via the app. You can DCA in the sats as well. Set it and forget it. You can uh, buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. We're trying to front run Matt O'Dell in the morning, in the early morning East Coast time. I think uh, the front runners are now running the market around 4.15 a.m. East Coast. We need to front run the front runners. We need a 3.15 a.m. daily buy uh, to front run that cohort who was originally front running Matt O'Dell, who was originally front running, uh, the, the East coast market open on top of that, you can stack silvers of stonks in the cash app. If you want to, uh, if your favorite stonks a little too expensive, you can buy as little as $1 on top of that. They have the boost program, uh, which allows you to go to partner merchants, initiate their boost, save a little money, get that money, stack some sats, uh, and Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and rounding numbers. If you want to get your paychecks direct deposited into the app, you can do so now. Son, do you have anything to say about that? No? Nothing? Speechless for the first time in a while. Just a big smile. When you download the Cash App, make sure you use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. And ten dollars are gonna go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Download the cash up today. Use the code stacking stats and enjoy this episode with Adam Carey. I know I certainly did. Dicky. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bet here from the Island Studio on a Monday afternoon. Extremely excited for the conversation I'm about to embark on with my guest who needs no introduction. The man who started uh, the medium that we're that we're speaking through now, Adam Curry. Adam, welcome to the podcast. What's up, freaks? <laughs> ah. <laughs> It's pretty surreal for me. 
Hey, baby, I got to say it. Got to say it. I'm in, I'm in the club. I mean, how can I avoid it? You're the most active podcast on the, on the Sphinx chat app right now. Yeah, the tribe, the Tales from the Crypt tribe. We've been talking uh -huh. about it a lot in the last few weeks. And just before I hit record, we were talking about it. I think I'm extremely excited for this episode, particularly because it involves two things I'm very passionate about. Obviously, pod podcasting. I've been doing this for over three years now at this point, which is hard to believe. And then Bitcoin, something I've been dedicated to for, for a bit longer, um, sort of colliding in the Sphinx app right now, the Lightning Network and what you're trying to yep. do with podcasting 2.0. And it's been surreal having the tribe and then having you in it and uh, being able to have proof that you're actually listening to the podcast, uh, quoting sure. and, and time stamping stuff. It's, it's incredible. Um, but all this is in the name of podcasting 2.0. So I, I think before we get to that, um, we should just learn a little bit about you. Uh, what you've been doing in the podcast industry since it began and, and, and why you think podcasting 2.0 is so important at this, this juncture in time. Uh, okay. Well for that, let's go back 16 years ago. Uh, when I was actually, it actually dates back 19 years that the, the core technology started when, uh, I, I had, uh, taken my company public in 1996 and uh, I retired from the company just before uh, 2000 and decided to move my family back to Amsterdam. Now I grew up in Amsterdam even though I'm an American and uh, the thing about Amsterdam or the Netherlands is that they have a very uh, like 98% of the country had cable uh, back in the day because it was really central antenna system so you know like the whole block would have one antenna and they'd all use it. So every house was wired and we got cable modems. And uh, cable modems were great because they, they, now they weren't fast necessarily, but they were always on internet. Oh, this was something new. We didn't have to dial up anymore. Not everyone who listens to this podcast will remember those days, but that's, uh, that's what you had to do as you had to dial up with your modem, unplug your home phone line. And uh, being a broadcaster all my life, I was looking for an experience and I wanted someone to be able to click and something would play and it would be, whoa, that's cool. Uh, but it didn't exist because you would click and wait and wait and wait and wait for something to download. And then it finally download and then you open it and it open a player. And then by then, you know, it's like, was this really worth it? Um, in these same days, actually Napster just started coming up and this was great for cable modems being always on, always connected. So, um, what you notice about that is that you really don't, you weren't able to do anything until the files were fully downloaded. So what I was thinking of is, why don't we eliminate the bandwidth problem just by uh, letting someone say, hey, I want to have the next episode of this. Um, when you've downloaded it onto my computer, let me know. Therefore, I won't be waiting any more than I normally would. And the 10 minutes it takes to download it, that's just obfuscated by this process that runs in the background, which is the whole point of computers to do stuff for you. And that became, after I flew to New York and convinced Dave Weiner to put this into RSS, that became the enclosure tag. And that's where you put your the URL to your MP3 file. And that was working for a couple of years actually, but it was just, you know, Dave had a piece of software called Radio Userland and attracted me because it had the name radio in it, even though it wasn't. But it was kind of a broadcast receive station. You could create a feed and it had an aggregator so you could aggregate feeds from other people. 
Um, but when I saw my first iPod, I went, oh, this is not a, a digital Walkman. This is a radio receiver. It even looks like one of my early transistor radio receivers. And so I went about the daunting task for me of creating an Apple script that would uh, look at one singular feed, my own, uh, would then uh, grab uh, uh, the enclosure from the, the newest item, download it to iTunes, and then sync my iPod with iTunes, which was the way you had to do it back in the day. This is all pre-iPhone, of course. Um, and then all of a sudden, you could just pick up your, your, your iPod and you had radio shows on it. And so I started creating the daily source code, which was named such because it was daily and it was about the source code the developers were working on. And these developers were just a community of pirates like myself who were creating the radios. They were creating apps. And we had a ton of apps and we had all kinds of people creating feeds because RSS infrastructure was there, but you know, just had to add the enclosure. And uh, so we started maintaining a directory of all these feeds and we had a little burgeoning thing happening and it caught storm, man. BBC, I think, kicked it off. And then um, Tony Khan at WGBH in Boston, he brought in uh, NPR and was doing NPR stuff in podcasts. This is all 2004, so this is very early days. Um, and then Steve Jobs called and he said, you know, I'd like to come talk. Do you, have a, do you have a little bit? And I said, yeah, maybe next month. Let me see my calendar if I have any time for you, Steve. And, and uh, we met for an hour and it was a fantastic, this from my book, a fantastic meeting. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> excuse me, he, he, won, he was you know, buttering me up. He wanted my blessing to put podcasting in iTunes. And, uh, and I said, sure, and, and take the index with you. Uh, and, they, and they started it up and Apple became the de facto place where you would uh, submit your feed because all the other podcast apps who in general, independent podcast developers can't really maintain a, a database of uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of feeds. It's just, it's a, it takes a lot of machinery and, and love and care because it's not every feed is the same as the next. Um, and they had the one click subscribe mechanism. So they just became the place. And for the next 10 years or longer, um, they've kind of been at the center of the podcast universe, being the place where you put your feed in, um, being the place where smaller independent apps can search for feeds. That's what everyone was tied into um, until things started to change. And uh, in the meantime, I had, you know, started my No Agenda show and we built this value for value model, which uh, taught us that if you ask, if you keep it open-ended and don't say, hey, send me five bucks per show or here's extra stuff if you pay me extra, if you just say, listen to whatever you want. It's free in that way. But if you got any value out of it, just send it to us. And what you wouldn't expect, well, what you would expect is a lot of people sent us five bucks and a lot of them sent 50 and a few sent 500 and one or two sent $5,000. That's what the show was worth to them. That was mind boggling. So we said, you make up whatever you want to give us. We'll just do our darndest to create great value. And now we move along throughout the uh, throughout time, and we have cancel culture, which is all related to advertising. This is the entire reason the cancel culture works. Um, advertising is censorship, and it can it works in a couple of ways. Either you are going to self censor because you're not going to talk about the competitor to your advertiser. The advertiser will tell you not to talk about certain things, um, or people who hate you will uh, start making noise 
around your advertiser and say, oh, how can you advertise on this bigots podcast or whatever? Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, that's been with social media, that's been done very, very successfully. And it's all about advertising. And to the degree that YouTube and Twitter, um, I'm sure there's some political censorship going on, but in general, they preempt the conflict with their advertisers by taking controversial people off. And that controversial is only determined by the values of the advertiser. So there you go. Um, and two things happen. Uh, number one, Apple decided to deplatform Alex Jones. And that meant that he disappeared from podcast apps all across the spectrum because they were all tied into the Apple index. Um, the second thing that happened is Joe Rogan signed a deal to go exclusive with Spotify, which means he too is, is disappearing from the open RSS architecture. What that leaves us with is independent app developers who no longer have Alex Jones because it's been removed from the Apple index and Joe Rogan's about to leave. So, you know, where's their unique selling proposition? People, sure, people like features, but it, the, it, open up any podcast app today, this is before December 1st, and you will see Joe Rogan's face smiling at you. They all have him front and center. Um, so there's no incentive for app developers to really continue to work on creating great podcast experiences if uh, they're not in the deal flow. So, you know, advertisers don't give money to podcast apps. They give it to the podcasters. So I decided two things were necessary. One, we need to preserve podcasting as a platform for free speech. And that means an independent index that is protected under the Communications Decency Act, uh, Section 230. You know, I don't care what, I don't care. I really don't give a crap what is in your feed. And nor should I, that's just, that's just speech. It's written down, it's in a database. Um, I have no dog in the hunt. There's no political anything. I do not care. I'm also not an app. I'm just the storage place where feeds go. Uh, that database is copyable, replicable, backed up. Anyone can access it. We created an API so that the independent developers don't have to deal with the RSS feed architecture. We do that. The second part of the mission is to retool podcasting as a platform of value. And I had been looking at, well, I really got converted to Bitcoin about six years ago. Uh, not long after I sold 65 Bitcoin, I had been holding on to for five years at like $900 and thought, wow, that was great. Um, <laughs> happens. Uh, it happens. It, yeah, it happens. And, but also I was like, hey, I can't pay my rent with this. This is the beanie babies of money. Get out of here. I'm not interested. And Dennis Parker is the one who, is my guru and uh, and sailed with me through the tough and troubling times and uh, kept feeding me info. And then I said, hey, man, I want to expand this value for value concept. I, I, I'd like to, instead of it just being, what did you get out of a couple hours? Why not per minute, per minute you're listening, which shows you value something because you're spending your time or at least your brain resources. You may be doing the dishes or walking the dog, but you're spending resources on it. So that's obviously valuable. And why not let people just send me per minute value back at their own discretion? So whatever that is, one Satoshi, uh, one milli Satoshi, a hundred Satoshis, I don't know, whatever it is. And uh, he said, oh, real-time payments now through Lightning. So I started looking at Lightning. Um, 
and this is before we started the index project. And, um, you know, I got a, a raspy blitz and I, I'm fully noted here at home and I'm experimenting. And, uh, and so I'm tr figuring out key send and how all this stuff works. And, um, and so we started building the index with this in mind that, you know, we would have some kind of this idea of hitting a play button and then having the, the value flow back. So you've got MP3 bits go coming in and you've got some kind of monetary bits going out. A very simple system. And you turn it from a donation into a pledge. You know, I pledge 100 sats a minute for any show that I listen to, which is roughly a dollar an hour. And I think that's, that's uh, probably not enough, but it's a reasonable amount to start with. Um, and... As I was looking at this, uh, uh, Paul uh, Itoy showed up from Sphinx Chat. He posted on uh, on a kind of our development hangout, which is podcastindex.social. And uh, he posted something that if you're ever interested. And so anyway, I found them. I sent an email to their info at sphinx.chat. And he got back to me. And I think 10 days later, we had this shit integrated into their app. And, and just from that, we haven't looked back, you know, from that minute on, it's been, okay, we get it, we see it. I mean, I'll show you right now that you know, I maintained the index node and we'll get into exactly, you know, what that means for people. So 1% of, uh, of the sats that are flowing go to podcastindex.org and you'll see here. So that's just, it's three sats at a time, but that's just a never ending flow of Satoshi's which means, you know, they're listening to your show, they're listening to my shows. So this is just coming in nonstop. It, it, it's like, a, it's like a, a magic money fountain. And all we need to do is times this a thousand. So uh, my whole thing now is we need more uh, lightning enabled podcast apps and we're off to the races. Yeah, it's been incredible to watch how quickly it's unfolded and how quickly it's become a sticky app for me like i listened to no agenda this morning gave you a few few boosts throughout and that's the cool thing it's interactive too like if you like a certain point you can hit boosts and 100 sats yeah, so, on top of the streaming yeah let me let me just explain that for the listeners so they can visualize it so with with the sphinx chat which is kind of a podcast app on steroids the way we're using it where you're in a chat room and you, you're listening to the show and or you're just chatting with people but you listen to the show, and if there's something you really like, you can hit a boost button, which is almost like a, like hitting a heart on uh, on a Periscope uh, live stream, uh, except you can determine how many Satoshis that sends off to the podcaster. And uh, at the same time, the podcaster can go back and look at their timeline and see where people were boosting, which, of course, is a, is a show of, hey, I really liked what you were saying here. So I can then, as a, someone who's creating a show and say, oh, people really like this part of the of the show, this discussion, this topic, this joke, whatever it is. Um, it's so it's incredibly interactive, which is the number one thing podcasting has been missing. Yeah, and it's a beautiful way to give feedback without needing to do that verbally. Like economic feedback, if you will, with a slight yes. micro payment. And so that's one thing stop spam. Yes. Because people um, won't won't be spending all their money if they're spamming, you know, that just, just goes against business practice. Yeah. No, this is something that excites me personally. Number one, because I'm a Bitcoiner. Number two, because I'm a podcaster. Number three, I'm somebody who, again, like I was telling you before we hit record, I've had a bunch of no agenda producers reach out to me. 
um, over the last couple of years explaining the value for value model. Um, and as a podcast that is monetized via, via advertisements, um, wondering how to transition to that value for value model, like a tftc.io slash contribute. Um, we, we have the, we give freaks the ability to, to either donate or purchase shout outs, which are similar, um, to the producer donations, except mm-hmm. for our shout outs are static $50. But, um, mm-hmm. previously trying to think of ways in which we could transition to a value for value model. Um, it's been sort of a hard mental jump. And now that something like Sphinx exists, uh, it becomes more material and seems like an easier path to get to that. that I don't think the two are, they're not mutually exclusive, Marty. I mean, you can, you can still have ads and I mean, where I want to get to is that it's just a logical, that people find it normal. And let me see if I can explain this. Uh, today, what people find normal on streaming video, I'm not saying they like it, but they find normal is, okay, if I really want to have my suite of shows that I like, I'm there's a couple shows on Netflix, there's a couple on Hulu, there's a couple on Amazon, there's a couple on Disney, there's a couple on Apple+. Plus. So you have $200 worth of subscriptions at the end of the month for select offerings from each streaming app. That's really all they are. Um, I want to turn that on its head for podcasting so people can say, you know, uh, I consume about 20 hours of podcasts a month. Every hour I listen, I'm going to value that at 20, at $1. So I'm just going to put 20 bucks into my wallet and whoever I'm listening to, I'm, I'm giving back to them to ensure that that show has a chance of making it to the next episode. And it just becomes a part of your budget. Like you're, your gas budget or your grocery budget or something like that. And it becomes inherently more economical than having a Spotify subscription, having an iHeartRadio subscription, having a, uh, what's next? Uh, uh, Apple Podcast Plus. It's all coming. A college tuition? Like, like there's an <laughs> argument. College <laughs> tuition, anyone? <laughs> no, there's, I mean, there's an argument to be made that I mean, I'm, I'm an audio and visual learner. Like, I, I can't sit in a lecture class like I taught I studied economics in college basically wound up just teaching myself everything in YouTube videos the Econ <laughs> Academy or listening to podcasts <laughs> about economics mm-hmm. um, but to think about the value that you're actually getting from this content or I have at least I'll speak for myself um, in many different facets like it's worth it and to think about how much you give up in the advertisement world uh, oh, yeah. as a listener um, it makes makes a bit of sense, but there is that that consumer mental model switch that needs to happen. And I think micro payments via the Lightning Network are a close enough stepping stone to get to that point. Well, here, here's the numbers, uh, and this because I you know I've I've built businesses before, and I've never built something this quickly. I've never built anything, or I wasn't never even had a a thought of getting paid anything, which is obviously not happening. But the speed at which this business has developed and the opportunity is insane. Here's the market. And these are IAB numbers. So that's, you know, Interactive Advertising Bureau, take it for what it is. They believe there's 100 million people in America, that's all the data I have, who listen to podcasts. On average, each of those 100 million people listens to one hour a day. And that's seven days a week. So now we have uh, 
100 million hours being consumed per day. With the No Agenda show, we were able to convert probably three to 4% of our overall audience into supporting us financially. A much larger percentage helps us with other things, uh, jingles, clips, artwork, stories, information, backgrounds, sleaze, whatever it is. That's what producers do, and that's how we, we consider our listeners producers. Um, <clears throat> the other, so there is that percentage, 3 to 4%, which we've converted to giving us money, donating, supporting the show. I think that if it's safe to say that of those 100 million people, we can convert 1% to the donation model. Uh, many of them already have. People are familiar with Patreon. They're familiar with PayPal, hat tips, tip jars. They understand the basic concept. So we can move these people, you know, probably half of them already understand it. The other half have to be converted. So now you're talking about 1 million hours a day. Let's go back to my, my value proposition, which is any podcast that you listen to for an hour should be at least worth a dollar. I don't think anyone can really disagree with that. I think it's shit low, but let's just say it's a dollar. Marty, now we have a million dollars a day flowing through podcasts. Holy crap. This starts to get real. And, and my dream comes true here. And my dream was to uh, support the independent software developers who are creating apps. This is, this is the big secret sauce. I can't compete with Spotify on talent because they'll just buy the talent. That's the Joe Rogan problem. Um, I, I can compete by saying, hey, it's all available, but if it's just me with an index with the Alex Jones feed and no podcast apps will take it, we lose again. So we've got to get these guys some money. Um, this is why, and I think this is what's going to be groundbreaking about uh, podcasting 2.0 is the, the built-in split. So we've enabled it so that the, uh, the, the, the default is for every dollar or every hundred Satoshis or whatever you send, 98% goes to the podcaster, 1% goes to the app that you're currently listening to the show on, which clearly is love and energy has gone into that and it's lightning enabled. And, you know, so there's actual work that has been done to enable that for you. And you wanted that to continue. And 1% goes to podcastindex.org for keeping it all running. And this is all voluntary. You can, you can rip those out if you don't, if you don't want it. Uh, the amount you send per minute is determined by the listener. So it can be anything from zero to you know, infinite, I guess. The podcaster then, and this is where it gets really cool, can take that 98% and simply by specifying more nodes, uh, uh, more uh, lightning nodes in their RSS feed, which they have total control over, they can say, you know what? Um, on this show, I've got a co-host and we have, uh, you know, my mom, she, you know, lent us a, a thousand bucks to buy gear and we got some cool ass promoter guy who's always promoting the show. So I can, as a podcaster, I can put in my own feed, I want 40% to go to me, 40% to my co-host wallet. I want 10% uh, to go to uh, my mom who invested and I want the other 10% to go to this guy who's promoting. And the flow literally goes from the listener's wallet in five individual payments directly from that per person's wallet, so no one's in the middle, to those individual lightning wallets. Now it gets interesting when you take that down to the episode level. So the No Agenda Show is my example. 
um, we have uh, we have people who created end of show mixes. We have people who create artwork for each episode. I'd love to put their lightning nodes into an episode. So whenever someone listens to that episode, even 10 years in the future, 5% of that money that's streaming while someone listens will go to Darren O'Neill, who created the album artwork. Now you've just decentralized the entire fucking ASCAP BMI the royalty system worldwide you have just broken and completely deconstructed it down to its core element. I enjoyed something. Everybody who worked on it should get a piece of that as they've predetermined. It's pretty mind-blowing when you break it down that <laughs> when way. When you start and to think about digital money, you, you I mean, I can't sleep sometimes. I got to get up and smoke a joint. It's like, man, I, I got to go back to sleep. <laughs> A joint and some whiskey. Holy crap, this is a good idea I got. No, it's it, it drives you up the wall in how many possibilities there are. Well, it's beautiful in many ways, too, because actually, from a development aspect, and Bitcoiners hate when you use the word community because there is no community. It's just people accessing an apolitical protocol, but you can't deny there's a community of Bitcoin enthusiasts. Well, that's uh, like saying there's an LGBTQ community and a black and brown community. I always say to my, my right? to Mo, I say, hey, Mo, where do all the black and brown people live? Is that one zip code? Is that just someplace I can go visit? Is it just a huge community with drums? You know, mm -hmm. it's fucking stupid. And we all right. know it. And we all know it. Yes. Um, but like the vibe around the protocol seems very similar to what you described in the early days of podcasting. Exactly uh, the same. Yep. Really? It's, it's, can you dive into some of the parallels or? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, for me, it's like a complete deja vu, first of all, because I'm just following the same path that we did back then by having a podcast where we we're talking to the actual developers who are working on the technology that we're implementing at that time. So podcasting 2.0, it has chapters, it, it has uh, the transcripts, you know, we're putting all we're eating our own dog food, so to speak. So it's a complete feedback loop. Um, but the openness, there's something about, uh, a part of it is the free open software, um, movement, I'd say it's more, it's, and it's not just a movement. It's a, it's like a tectonic plate that just shifts slowly over time and puts stuff into place where it should be naturally, I guess. Um, be, and the first one was really with Paul from, from Sphinx chat, you know, we were just talking, he's like, oh, fuck, we'll do this and we'll give you the code for that. And, you know, and then Dave and I are like, oh, we got all this code over here. You guys take that. And we're all doing this to create something that we, we're not even sure what it is. It's like the ultimate collaborative art project. And I take software development. It's a science, but it's an art. I mean, you can get to places in software in so many different ways that it's it's an art. I mean, look at the variety of apps and uh, and functionality that are coming out of this project. So it's uh, when people are creating art together and they're doing it for um they're doing it for it's altruistic but it's it's you got something to get in the about game, it's something about human nature. You know, we we gravitate towards each other because it's like it's like this, hey, here's this new language we all want to learn, and we're kind of building the, and I'm not talking about a programming language, just a common parlance of how we deal with uh, internet, 
and uh, we're able to sculpt this language together. And it turns out that when you have a lot of uh, diversity of, of thought, that uh, it just gets better from it. And you know, shit blows up in these in these uh, in these projects all the time. And we've all seen great projects implode. I think it's the natural order of things. It's uh, I don't uh, that should be studied psychologically because there's something uh, incredibly deep, hu deeply humanistic about this process and how people just come together with no seeming um, greed. It's just it's just seriously. I do not see the greed that you see in almost everything else. Um, everybody may have their own agenda and how they plan to to make money off of something, but there's some core values of, hey, you've got to share this, you've got to keep this open, got to have this code available that keeps everybody kind of honest. And I think using podcasting and Bitcoin is two specific examples. Um, like podcasting, podcasting, uh, opening up the the ways that individuals can communicate with audiences and distribute content to to the world instantaneously and then bitcoin uh allowing people to uh, send value together in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion both um are reactions to a, a world that is increasingly centralized in terms of whether it be the content distribution and mediums or uh, the ability uh, to send and receive money um, as well as escape inflation. Uh, and uh, I think part of that altruistic vibe you're describing is part of the, the common recognition between everybody working on these systems that this is imperative as we move forward. If we don't have this, we're going to be uh, subjected to the Chinese surveillance state <laughs> exported to the rest of the world. You hit the nail on the head, Marty. It's uh, it's It's not illogical or strange, really, for decentralized content distribution to find a partner in decentralized money. I mean, the podcasting is in the business of sending decentralized goodness. In fact, when we first started podcasting, we didn't have a name for it. We came up with all kinds of names. And one of them was nicely packaged bundles of joy. You know, that was like one of these, what am I really, I'm really sending you a, a bundle of MP3 goodness I am giving to you, and it's going out from my little location to all these uh, uh, all these people who have a, an app around the world. Um, so that's sending one way, and it's only logical that we have a way to have the value from the other side of that equation come back in a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized way. So that makes that's just law of attraction. People don't realize how decentralized podcasting is. I mean, to this day, very smart people, very smart people will say to me, hey, did you not upload to Apple yet? I'm like, uh, well, that's not exactly how it works, but I'm not gonna bore you with that. Let's see what we can figure out what's going on. Um, but that's how people think metaphorically that I have to upload my podcast to five different places uh, so that it's available everywhere. So they really don't understand uh, how decentralized it is, which I guess is kind of good because uh, people don't have to worry about it and they know it just all kind of works. Um, but you get into weird habits, you know, you, um, that's why it's not easy to convert someone away from the podcast app they love, you know, it's better to, to bootstrap some stuff onto that. And, you know, they've got their subscriptions in there and all that. Um, but again, it comes down to the basic 
And I think this is what was necessary in order to, to kickstart this, is to get away from the, basically, the DMCA, um, you know, encrypted uh, you pay or you don't play uh, concept of media. Uh, in other words, you know, you, we, you know, some mechanism doesn't allow your player to actually play this stream of MP3 bits and bytes until you have unlocked the secret code through a payment. <coughs> we might get there one day, uh, and that may be a business model, but I think my own experience shows that if you just let people determine that and have the market drive those prices, what they want to pay, which largely will be nothing. Um, before we started, you said, hey, I'm still a douchebag. So, and what that means is for people who don't know is on the No Agenda show, people who donate money to the show, uh, they can call someone out who they know listens but hasn't supported the show. And by the way, we didn't come up with this. I would never call anybody a douchebag. The listeners would say, hey, call out my brother as a douchebag. Douchebag. You know, because uh, he, hasn't, uh, he hasn't donated to the show. And when someone comes in and finally donates, they ask for a de-douching. You've been de-douched. So, you know, so what, what we've actually discussed is uh, we call it, uh, behind closed doors, we call it the douche flag, but we're, we'll probably call it the nudge flag. So if you have a podcast app and you're listening to a podcast and you have no sats, uh, no sats in your wallet or you're not flowing anything, <clears throat> it'll just say, hey, man, don't be a douche. Uh, consider, uh, consider topping up your wallet and, uh, and making sure these guys get some value. These things seem to, seem to play out quite well over time. Yeah, the uh, the social pressuring, of course, is, of course, there's a great way. Pressure. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's that's what like thinking of where all this monetization via the Lightning Network and stream payments and micro payments can go. It's my like you, you just like the the opportunity is mind blowing when you think about it economically, but then uh, psychologically, like how does it change? the nature of content consumption and then content production. What, what does the quality look like? Like how, what does the world look like if we do successfully transition to this monetization? Looks pretty freedom to me. Right? So let's take music as an example. Um, music licensing is a quagmire. A lot of it is um, statutorily at least in the United States, uh, arranged how much uh, is required, no more, no less, to pay for streaming uh, versus, you know, you have all the you have performing rights, you have broadcast rights, you have sync rights, you have publishing rights. All of this can be obfuscated and or just eliminated. And, you know, every MP3 file can come with a value block that you put into your lightning-enabled player. It doesn't have to be a podcast player, just a music player or app or whatever you use. And encoded into that will be all of the artists who played on that song, the, the writer, the composer, uh, fuck, the manager, the producer, put whatever we need in there and the percentages. And whoever plays that song, if they're not a douchebag, and they like to, you know, maintain uh, the music that they listen to, and they want people to enjoy and have their favorite artists continue. They'll fill up that wallet, and that money will stream straight to the people in in the it, like a royalty. Oh my God! It's a, what a crazy concept. We're going to eliminate 
waiting for two years for your streaming pennies from uh, from Spotify, and we're gonna it, it'll be so beautiful. And this system lay paves the way. <laughs> it's I mean we can start doing this today. I mean, we're doing it today. I did it this morning. It's, exactly. Uh, I know. You should wash your hands after you do it, uh, Marty. <laughs> seriously, that's getting pretty nasty. But this is like the royalty thing is probably one of the biggest points of contention in the music industry, obviously. Like, in, it's crazy to think. I mean, you have, you have many artists. Taylor Swift being one of them right now, most famously, is uh, very enraged due to the fact that Scooter Braun owns her. Uh, discography yeah. and is able to sell all the rights to that and make all the profits. It's pretty insane. Which, which she's, yeah, but she sold those rights. You know, she sold her publishing yeah. rights. You know, I'm sorry. You got screwed by the system. Get in line, sister. That's how the system works. So, you know, you don't like it. Well, you can change. You can step outside. I'll take Taylor Swift. I'll, I'll, I'll Bitcoinify her. No problem. <laughs> and that'll work out great. I wish we could. That's for getting close the technology is almost there so i guess that that's a good question to ask you at this particular point like what do you think of the lightning network as somebody who's been a bitcoin enthusiast one of the pretty one of the coolest bitcoin things you've done in my mind is receive the private keys uh, via ham radio wave uh was that from rodolfo <laughs> or samuel patterson yes yes we did uh we did a little bitcoin transaction uh, via ham radio i've i've been a ham radio uh, operator for about eight years i guess um and there's a lot of digital digital work that goes on there it's kind of beautiful you know it's there you go it's another decentralized system that uh that still works and we do digital on it okay you know throughput is pretty bad don't be loading no neutrino uh <laughs> wallets over, over hf um but this, just to send a key or something like that yeah that it works uh, it works incredibly well um, and, you know, once we get to a place where everybody, I mean, it would be great if every family had a node, they had a node at home or a node somewhere, you know, and it's just, it's the family bank and uh, mom and dad have uh, multi-sig keys. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, you know, even for trust fund babies, you know, add another multi-sig so you can have a little, uh, side wallet there that uh, is just for the trust fund baby I and mean, all all of the lawyers and the bankers and the shysters and everybody in between can kind of be eliminated they can they can learn to code there you go <laughs> don't, don't tell that the out. bus driver to learn to code you learn to code you'll get banned from twitter if you tweet that be careful i know but, um but so obviously you pay close attention to the protocol development and the technical side of Bitcoin. Like, what are your thoughts on Lightning at this stage? Lightning Network is something that in the Bitcoin um, world, uh, a lot of people uh, don't have as much faith in the Lightning Network as others mm -hmm. like myself. Um, just from a usability per, uh, standpoint, what's your perspective on it? Are you happy with where it well, is right now? Exactly that. I'm a user, so um uh, yes, I'm on the development side, but I'm on the more the implementation side and I see something working. You know, I see, I, I, of course I see all the, all the, the bumps and the warts and stuff. I mean, of course is like, where did my sats go? They're getting stored for a chant, you know, uh, for the channel settlement and all this stuff. Okay. So once you kind of understand those things, the only thing, uh, I have no idea about is scale. I think that we're probably responsible at this point maybe for 
you know, half of the, the traffic on the Lightning Network, just through the pure number of uh, transactions we're creating, because every minute there's multiple transactions going to multiple addresses, and that's 24 hours a day. I know because I see the index 1% coming in. So um, it's 24-7. So what happens when you do that times 1,000? What happens when 1,000 people fire up uh, TFTC at the same time and are sending you sats. What happens to the HTLCs? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find out. So scalability, I have no idea. Um, I don't know all of the technical issues that people uh, do or don't like lightning for. Um, but the, the elimination of the invoice in general turns it into much more of a Venmo type situation, which uh, there's, you know, a whole world is already understanding of the I have some identifier for you. You're in my contact list. I can send you money and not think about it. Uh, instead of you sending me an invoice and me paying the invoice. Yeah, I'd, you know, there's faster ways, QR codes, et cetera. But it's still, for most people, like, you got to send me an invoice, me to just pay you. Yeah, fuck it, I'll use Venmo. So that's been taken away. Um, the key, it's really the key send part that just got me all jacked. I'm like, holy crap, we can stream money. What more do I have to say, people? You can stream money in real time. Uh, you know, the webcam girl should be all over this stuff. You can eliminate those, those assholes who are taking 50% of your money, ladies and, and men. Well, we're still trying to get them away from Spank Chain. Which was... <laughs> yeah, Spank Chain. <laughs> do you know about Spank Chain? So sounds bad, but uh, I'm, was this some kind of uh, uh, porn coin? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, four webcam girls. Yeah, there's uh, everybody tries to make a coin for everything a porn coin, food coin, dent coin, whatever it may right. be. Right. How many times have been asked to do a podcast coin? I can't count. Right. And it's like, hey, all you need is sats. You don't need <laughs> you don't need your own coin for this. Like the like the idea of streaming payments is a great idea. Uh, but unfortunately, Spank Chain, I don't think is going to develop the network effect and liquidity needed to uh, have a token no, which but, is worth but, streaming. But, but, you know, all you need is a player that understands this basic core concept and, <laughs> uh, and bake it into a wallet. Every developer of wallets should be doing this. If you got a wallet, what's your wallet doing? It's just sitting there being a dumb wallet. It's like a wallet. You give people a wallet for the Christmas. You know, like, thanks, man. I got the wallet. You take out the picture of the family that's not yours. And uh, use your wallet. But when your wallet, all of a sudden, you press a button and it's a podcast player or it's a webcam streaming player, hello, now you're talking. I mean, every business can be disrupted by this. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see who does the disrupting. Does, does the wallet software provider disrupt uh, by adding a podcast app or the podcast app implement Lightning? Which I, I guess is a good transition to, like... The well, the, they don't have to live exclusive of each other one on one hand podcast apps will add lightning that's a quite a curve for them uh on the other hand uh lightning uh apps and uh breeze is actually i've been talking to roy over breeze for a while you know they have key send outbound enabled on their app which is all you need for podcasting you don't need incoming um and uh you know i've been working on helping them implement uh podcasting into the breeze wallet now that may be in the wallet, it may be a standalone app using the Breeze technology. That's up to them. Um, but that's, it goes, and for, personally, I think that uh, if you're a wallet guy and you're looking to create a kick-ass podcast implementation, 
go to podcastindex.social, talk to these guys, and there's, I don't think there's any gals, but talk to these guys and say, hey, well, why don't we work together? And, uh, you know, we'll split the percentage or whatever you want to do. I mean, all of this is now possible. All of it can be totally, totally strapped together with the finances right there, bootstrapped right on. Yeah, and it's it's incredible. That's actually a very good point, too. Is I made you uh, speechless. I love that. I know, well, <laughs> thinking of adding these functionalities, like hooking up to a podcast player and being able to stream sets, uh, it's a good way to bootstrap and on it's like again like I said Sphinx has been very sticky for me for the last week and a half that I've been using it I've been using it sure pretty consistently every day um, as I listen to podcasts uh, and then the amount of disruption that's going to come from this like it's it's pretty mind-blowing and it feels like in the Tales from the Crypt tribe like you're part of something that nobody really understands and that I think uh, really highlights something that critics of the lightning network have been saying for years is that they've been sort of catering to merchant adoption, getting people to uh, accept uh, lightning network payments to sell goods where Mm -hmm, probably mm -hmm. not the best market to target where something like this is sort of a comes out of nowhere and it makes a lot more sense. And actually uh, it's probably a lot more stickier, a lot stickier than uh, merchant adoption right out of the gate already so it's sort of stumbling into a use case that nobody was really thinking of um, bro as, this is like i came along with my i came with my podcast peanut butter and stuck it right in your your bitcoin chocolate you know this is the how the reese's peanut butter cup came to be who the hell knew uh, sometimes it just takes these little things and this could be the start of something much bigger i mean you you hear where my thinking is going already it's like once and this is new for me. So w- once you understand digital money, then you just and and this this multiple payments, this split, this contracts, if you will, you know, smart contract is such a term. Well, we implemented a really dumb contract, and it just works too. Um, but the concept remains it's the same. And then, particularly with uh, with like the credits, as I was saying, and and giving people percentages of what they worked on. This is a new media model. And it's and it's springing forth from the actual marriage of Bitcoin and podcasting. These we were meant for each other, you know. It's like twin flame, baby. This is soulmates. We should have figured this out a long time ago before we got married to other people. Right. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like that made me think of Satoshi's quote uh, about WikiLeaks when Julian Assange first reached out, um, or somebody asked about reaching out to Julian about getting WikiLeaks to to accept. Bitcoin payments in the early days so she thought it was too early didn't want to quote unquote kick the hornet's nest mm-hmm. um, and that's what's like inspired a thought in my mind like maybe it's just a timing thing and the timing's finally right for for the marriage to to play out right yeah because l- sure. lightning's had to get built out and uh, it's it's crazy the similarities so like speaking you, you mentioned earlier podcasting people asking like oh when, when are you going to upload it to apple not understanding like how the back end infrastructure of rss feeds works um that's the point right. bitcoin's waiting to get to still even with the lightning network and things like that you still have to be a pretty uh pretty technically verse person to to interact with the protocol um 
in a secure and somewhat private fashion. Yes. Um, so Bitcoin trying to get to that point where people don't even realize what's happening in the back end. Yeah, exactly. And and they'll have all kinds of different ideas, just like, you know, this example of podcasting that you do what you don't upload it to Apple. No, I don't upload it to Apple. So what, you know, so they won't really understand how it works, but taking the simple metaphors, which is again, why I like Keysend of here's a person, I have their payment info, which is an, you know, an address. Um, and I can send someone money right away. That at least brings Bitcoin on par with uh, Cash App and Venmo. And um, all the other reasons will start to come. I think uh, there's a huge window of opportunity right now uh, for this marriage between podcasting and, and Lightning because someone big is going to come in and do it. You know, uh, why wouldn't Cash App do it? I, actually, I know the answer why, because they have all kinds of legalities to go through um, because they're taking fiat currency and turning it into Bitcoin. So there's all kinds of issues there. Um, but for the time being, people in this native world, I mean, I love the Lightning Network that much more having learned about Lightning Pools. Like, oh, wait a minute. I can take my money and, you know, so I have I have some money in my node here. Uh, I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm living large. Like, ah, this thing is loaded. You know, this is nice. But I can make interest on my money without giving up my money just for having it around and not needing to spend it well that's cool so these internal markets become very appealing for sticking your money on into lightning somewhere yeah then you get really heady with it and talk about like a podcast tribe on sphinx pooling funds together and getting sure. one of the tribe members to to try to run a productive uh liquidity pool book uh -huh. actually like make money by being a part of a tribe and listening to a, a certain podcast sure and sure stake some sense and well. and so let me let me just go back to your um, your transition which i don't think is necessary what if an advertiser um an advertiser came along and said well i uh want to give these 10 podcasts a thousand bucks each for talking about my podcast. Uh, and the way we're gonna do it is I'm gonna make a pool of money available and uh, you can add that to your value block. And so anyone who listens to those 10 shows will help get them an extra $10 a minute or whatever. I mean, all of this can be, can be put into play. I mean, there's so many ways. It's not exclusive of advertising. Advertisers. Paying people to listen. Yeah. And really paying the podcaster to listen. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, see, I, that stare, that's like the thousand yard stare yeah. that you get if you've been in service long enough. Now, that's the stare. <laughs> we have one in Bitcoin, too. <laughs> I've seen it. They go off like, <laughs> look, where am I looking at somewhere in the distance? I'm imagining something. Yeah, that's, right? that's the Bitcoin stare. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I can see Marty, by the way, just so you know. This, uh, yeah, we, we are we are on the Zoom chat. <laughs> we're video chatting. It is it's crazy to think, right? Like in another model that Ryan and I were talking about. If you're an upstart podcast trying to incentivize people to listen, there's a lot of problem gaining a an audience. Just people not listening. You may be putting out good content, but nobody's seeing it. Being able to incentivize listenership by saying, "Hey, I'm going to give out ten thousand sats to the first." 
1500 people that listen to Minimark 54 um, or, or like that or you know get uh, 10 10 people who listen to your show who are promoters who are social media promoters whatever and say hey for the next uh, three episodes go out and do it you each get five percent of whatever comes streaming in and they just just plug in their 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 node id and their percentage and they're part of the system yeah they help you build it it's a beautiful future we're, we're envisioning right now and it's a it's, it's a very here man it's here it's here it's a big affront to the entrenched incumbents that are very profitable very rich um very powerful i mean the media we've seen it this year particularly whether it be covid or election season has been able to sway hearts and minds uh at a grand scale pretty easily convincing everybody in the lockdowns i think well the well here here's my thinking on that thank you for bringing this up so after every uh, national or international tragedy there's a period of fantastic innovation and artistic endeavors that comes out of it in fact podcasting itself the core technology was developed not long after 9-11 and a lot of people were not flying and, and worried and concerned and were thinking about stuff uh, the bubonic plague you know we had the renaissance we had all kinds of uh, great thinking comes out of uh, great tragedies manufactured or not isaac uh, newton was great exactly uh, plague, right? exactly exactly yeah. so um what the two things we lost for sure in uh in the rona period is our media and i think that universally everybody even if you have been mind controlled and believe everything that Herr Fauci says, and you're listening to this right now with your gloves on and your mask on and your goggles on under the sheets in your hermetically sealed uh, chamber, you know that no one agreed on the same thing and that someone somewhere is full of crap and it can't just be Fox News. So people have lost their trust in media and that's universal across the board. I, I, I am convinced of that. But certainly a large portion of people are saying, hey, man, the media sucks. That's I think almost everyone agrees the media is bullcrap. The other thing we lost is cash. And boy, we gave it up. Like, oh, we saw those TikTok videos of the money being disinfected in Shanghai. Oh, my God, dirty money, dirty money. Don't touch it. I'll use my Venmo. I'll use my credit card. So we gave that up voluntarily. And that's the big one. That's why we see the great reset coming from the globalists. That's why we hear about the central bank digital coins. That's where we hear about Fed now, because they know, and this is who we're really up against, they know that when you control the money, you control everything. You control the votes, you control the laws, you control the people. I've had my money, my bank account frozen. Man, that's an unhappy experience. So, you know, that should not be able to happen. But you should be able to circumvent all of these all of these archaic systems. So the bottom line is what comes out of this period is opportunity for new money. I'll just call it new money and opportunity for new media. And uh, Hollywood is dead. It's, <laughs> there's no more productions. They can't produce. They have not been able to produce anything. The streaming guys are low on content. Um, there's never been more podcasts created alternative media, there's alternative social media, alternative to the quote unquote mainstream, 
This is a massive shift. And what we may wind up with in America, we may wind up with the party of Twitter and the party of parlor. And then we'll have these this other group, this bunch of weirdos with guys like Adam and Marty, who are the party of lightning and mastodon and podcasting. And let just let us, I mean, podcasting has been around for 15 years and 15 years it'll still be here. Bitcoin is not going to go away in 20 years, 10 years from now, it's still going to be here. So we are building something that adheres only to our own uh, mathematical agreements. And hopefully, I think Wyoming is already doing this. There will be states and countries who will become incredibly Bitcoin friendly. And they will help understand how these new mo models work. And so that I can treat my streaming sats as income and not as some investment, you know, like I'm holding an asset, you know, so these, these things will change with, there's also smart people, crazy fuckers like us going into government, you know, we'll find them, they'll find us. We Shout will. Out Cynthia Lummis. Right, exactly. Well, I, I, so I teeter back and forth from like crazy optimist to crazy pessimist. Mm-hmm thinking the dystopian future is, is imminent considering the powers that be that, that want to make it so, whether it be people at Davos, the World Economic Forum with the Great Reset, China, the Chinese Communist Party specifically trying to export their communist model to the rest of the world. Um, the big tech companies, uh, the intelligence agencies, central banks, all have this entrenched um, incentive to keep that that system afloat and operating as it has up to this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a big fight, I think. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the great reset versus the great awakening. That's the cusp we're on right now. Yeah. And it could get a huge, if it works, and I, I think we have a, a fourth act from this president. He seems like the uh, entertainment kind of guy. I don't think he's going to go out with the, you know, we had the, is he going to die from the Rona? Oh, no, our hero makes it. Okay. So that's what that moment where everyone's like, oh, my God, is the movie over? No. So he's got a fourth act coming, and it is my understanding and belief that there is a real effort to try and expose it all, uh, and it all will go back to uh, China. Uh, we'll go back to an entirely corrupt system of elites, really, and non-governmental organizations and all the stuff we know about. Um, if that happens, it will be a very big job to, to, to tell the 60, 70% of the world who are all in and believe this magical MSNBC world that uh, it's, that's their lying eyes and you know, they've deceived them. Um, if that doesn't happen, uh, I think it will happen regardless of whether uh, President Trump is reelected or not. The genie is out of the bottle. Sidney Powell is a military lawyer. She's not. She, that's you know. She's not part of the Trump uh, civil lawsuit. Yeah, what's going on there? I saw the Trump campaign distanced themselves this morning. What can we believe here? Well, well if, if you if you read the statement from the campaign versus the press, the press. Okay, the statement says, uh, "Here are the people on the president's uh, legal team." Giuliani, Jen, what's her name, uh, and uh, the, a couple others. Sidney Powell is apart from this team. 
That is a legal requirement because she is a military lawyer and she, if she, as, as long as she stays separate from the civil lawsuits the Trump team is filing, the campaign, I would say, the Trump for, for re-election campaign, then she can actually do military tribunals and try people for treason. This is why she can't be involved in the civil side. So the media spins this as sources familiar with the president's thinking, which is my favorite phrase of all, because someone apparently knows what the president's thinking. Sources familiar with the president, I don't think the president knows what he's thinking. Sources familiar with the president's thinking say, Sidney Powell was too crazy even for him. Well, first of all, no, Sidney Powell's not too crazy for Trump, that's for sure. Second of all, they just made that up because that has nothing to do with why she has been legally shown to be separate from the campaign. So anyway, I believe that <clears throat> that information will come out. Uh, and quite honestly, it would be very good for everybody, certainly in the United States, because we lead the world in this because we have one thing that the rest of the world doesn't have. And we're all packing heat. So, you know, ultimate, and that is a reason for that. There's a reason for the Second Amendment is to protect the First Amendment in my book. Um, the, uh, if Biden uh, is installed as president, uh, Im immediately it'll be build back better time. And this is their slogan, but it's the same slogan that all the elites use, Boris Johnson, uh, Macron, uh, the Pope, Justin Trudeau, Trudeau, um, the Mark Rutte of the Netherlands, uh, uh, Angela Merkel of Germany, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. They all use the phrase "build back better," and that's for the 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 grand scheme of keeping you home, paying you to stay home, unless we need you to come out and work on the great green jobs, of which uh, who knows what there will be as we completely uproot the entire world of its oil uh, economy, which, you know, my laptop's made of oil, my um, everything is made of oil one way or the other. So you can't stop oil or fossil fossils. Um, and it will enrage people and it will light such an incredible fire. And we need to be prepared for that scenario as well, because people will come looking for the freedom networks, the places to build uh, build up with glory <laughs> while everyone else is building back better. <clears throat> that would be a truly great reset because people will wake up one day and say, what just happened here? Because that's going to come swift and it's going to be relentless. We've, they've already said the dark winter is coming. All of this shit, man. They are so ready to pounce that it's not funny. So that will be good for us too. That would be a harsh way. I mean, I'd love for, for Daddy Trump to fix it all and, and hang the bad man up. And, and we, whoa, good work, Daddy Trump. But we're probably going to have to do more work uh, to change the outcome for the next generation. I'm 56, so I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing it for your kids. You know, <laughs> this, this is for, uh, for the next, next go around, you know. And, and at the same time, what a, what a great time to be alive and be a podcaster. Right. Born at... <laughs> Born at this weird inflection point with open yeah. communication and, and money. And it's... It, the Great Reset stuff is, like, so insane. They're not and, shy, man. They're not bashful. 
No, They're not at all. You, you're not going to own anything. You're going to love gonna it. You're going to be happy. You're, you know, the, the Amazon drone will deliver. Have you ever read uh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson? I have not, but that's like a very popular book in the Bitcoin yes. space that people make fun of me when I have to say, no, I've not read it yet. Well, the cool thing about it is it's all coming true. And uh, I actually owned metaverse.com for a long time, which I registered with Neil Stevenson's permission. Because um, that's the virtual world inside, you know, in this book, everything plays out on the metaverse, which is kind of a virtual reality, put the headset on, you jack in and, you know, but you can actually get high off of viruses that are in there. And it's a very dangerous place. And it's really the underground. But what's interesting is that the streets are pretty much deserted. The only people on the streets are people who have these cool hoverboard scooters, which we now have. They don't hover, but they're scooters and uh, delivery guys. And that's the world that we are in right now. We have, we literally have Domino's delivery. We, we may pop out and hop on the electric scooter to go somewhere real quick. And the rest is all done in the metaverse. It's, it's taking place. It's happening. Yeah, it's insane. It's, I mean, do we want that world though? Should we, should we be out in the world? I have a nine month old son. I look at him crawling around. It's like, do I want him to live in the metaverse or, or run around playing in the ocean, surfing, all that stuff? Well, we know the answer, of course. Yeah. You know, you, you want your kid to, to have free will and explore all of these opportunities before the child decides what's, what their path is. You know, it's like um, another thing that really got ripped away from us, probably the most important, is education. Boy, it turns out this education system, that's a piece of crap. And it's not even the, I mean, the teachers, okay, they are what they are. I have, I have respect for teachers, but the system is not letting them be teachers. The system is giving them shit to teach. Parents are now seeing that on the Zoom call. What are you learning? What? What is going on here? Um, the whole Zoom thing doesn't work at all. Kids are not at all uh, engaged. Uh, it's, it's really no schooling. And so this is falling apart. I think there's going to be a record number of homeschoolers and people setting up their own schooling opportunities for their own community. All that's being taken back, all of it. Yeah, that's incredible that that's happening because it is astonishing how terrible our public schooling system is considering the amount of uh, dollars spent per student. Uh, the the movement to uh, for school choice, Corey DeAngelis from, from the Reason Foundation was on this podcast earlier this summer. He's really pushing school choice especially during lockdowns like if you're going to lock down the schools don't make the the citizens pay school taxes or if they do right. get that money back so they can spend it how they see fit on their right. child's education um that's imperative like things like the common core like that's what like i have cousins who have had <laughs> to do common to core by stuff. the same people who brought you the coronavirus is bill gates is the same damn people <laughs> right why are they intentionally trying to make us stupider? Like, how, why are you going to transition a whole country to Common Core so parents well, can't help out with homework? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you said it. Right. An uninformed population is a compliant population. Yeah. Today's children, uh, sadly, uh, uh, a large portion, maybe majority, are over-socialized and under-informed. They just don't know. They're headline readers, brother. They just—they don't know shit. And they're all on amphetamines. Oh yeah, and of course we have drugs for all the children. Whatever you need. I mean, this—this this is 
the, the I mean, the, we followed this so closely. It's it's sickening. It's sickening how sad these children are all. They're over socialized, so they're afraid to say stuff because I want to piss everybody off, and there's or anybody off. So they get depressed, and then we throw them onto you know some meds, throw them some Adderall, so they can function and and self medicate when they need to function. Oh no, it's despicable. It's uh, but. Yeah, well, we, that's how we learn. We, we, as humans, we've made big mistakes in the past. Yeah, well, it feels like we're. That's a, a thing I say on this podcast a lot. Like, are we going to look back in retrospect and point at a date in the past at which you had like the fall of the American Empire, as it was known, in the beginning of the transition to something else? And it's hard not to look around. And see, especially this year, see like a mass psychosis of nobody thinking critically or for themselves, um, leading us down some terrible, terrible paths, uh, potentially another lockdown here, which is well, just, it's mind blowing seeing how people like some of the people I notice willingly like welcoming it. Be like, oh, we just got to do it. Vaccines coming. Like it'll happen. It's insane. Uh, well, clearly it's not everybody, Marty. That's the good news. It's true. There's enough, true. there's enough of us. Um, and I think that that's many more than, uh, many more than we may know. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's how all things change. It starts somewhere with some people. And I mean, look at the, look at the, it, I like the tribe metaphor a lot because I think we are media tribes, you know, so our two media tribes are now intersecting. And what that means is that you'll see no agenda people talking to a TFTC people. They're going to find each other. They're going to share other podcast ideas with each other. And then that tribe will come in and we have this patchwork of ideas and thoughts and uh, theories. Call them what you want. Woo, tinfoil hat. But we, we're allowed to have theories and think about stuff and strategize about the world. Um, and that, you know, so, okay, Joe Rogan may not be the the same on this, with the same openness of conversation, but man, he reaches a lot of people. A lot of really great ideas come out on that show when he's just talking to somebody. Um, you know, through that, I, we we got a huge influx of Roganites. And they're spreading out, and now Roganites will come over to you. And with that, we build a base, and this base is a base of knowledge and understanding, and it's codified in, in forever media, really. I mean, there's so many copies of the No Agenda show. I mean, it'll, it'll be around somewhere forever. Uh, same with the TFTC. I mean, you know, these things will be referenced. We have show notes. We have articles. We have blog posts. We have Twitter timelines. The information is there. So we're leaving breadcrumbs everywhere. People can pick up on it. You know, okay, so the mainstream media uses CIA-induced term, which is conspiracy theorists. So once we all get past that and understand that, you know, where the true conspiracy is, or just say, call it what it is, you know, if you think President Trump is, you know, a Russian spy, well, that's a conspiracy theory, and you're it's fine to have it, and you didn't prove it, so now fuck off. Now we have some other ideas. I mean, that's, and so I'm not too worried about that. I mean, there's always going to be people who are just compliant. Um, but all previous examples did not include the internet. And that's right. what broke the elite messaging system is, and we're all rogue. And that's another part of deplatforming. But you can't, uh, to me, 
Twitter, Facebook, Silicon Valley, Google, the dollar, just bugs in our system, brother. We, the internet routes right around it. We just route through a different node, go a different peer. It'll take us 20 milliseconds longer, but we'll get to where we need to be. Okay, now I'm feeling more optimistic. And ah, success once again. Well, that you just compare the two products, right? When you're talking about long-form podcasts versus the mainstream media uh, model of delivering information, like no agenda specifically is an incredible example of actually diving into um, topics, data's, bits from the news and dissecting it and actually trying to get to uh, a first principles understanding of what's happening uh, from mm -hmm. all angles, which mm -hmm. is just not, not provided by the traditional media landscape. And actually when from the most recent no agenda, when John was talking about his worry about Gen Z listening to podcasts, I think you were right that it's like an acquired taste later in life. Like I didn't start listening to podcasts. So I was like 19 or 20, like uh, mm -hmm. pretty consistently. And I think it's an, uh, once you have access to the format that vodka, podcasting provides and you can actually get better information, you just naturally want that. Like you, you look at the mainstream media and you're like, how can anybody watch this anymore? Uh, right. So I think it's a better product too, which should lead to more optimism. This is the long-winded or the short-winded Well, yeah, and, and I always say, if you listen to a podcast, I think in general, people at the end of the podcast feel better they feel happier or they feel more satisfied or more curious or whatever it is. Um, mainstream media in general uh, has, has figured out that it's easier to keep people angry and sad and mad to keep them engaged than it is to, cause it's an easy emotion to trigger. You know, it's, it's much easier to trigger someone's anger than it is to trigger someone's love. Um, because people, you know, there's stigma and embarrassment about showing affection or any of this stuff. So that's their model. Um, and with more media channels, they've they've segmentized. And so, you know, the, the everyone pissed. It's like Jack Dorsey. He said something really smart. Um, I was listening to the uh, Senate, the Senate committee, the hearing him and uh, Zuckerberg. And uh, this was about censorship and deplatforming and Section 230, which they're clearly violating, uh, which I need, by the way, because the podcast index is protected by Section 230, which means I'm not responsible for all the shit people put in their feeds. I'm just posting feeds. Um, now, Zuckerberg is obviously some Chinese, you know, Android that is, you know, running on a, on a clear program. And he just, you know, whatever that guy is, he's not human. Uh, Dorsey... Uh, would a lot of people have hatred toward? I respect him a lot, and not for the least, of course, is for Lightning Labs and you know his investment in uh, in the infrastructure and and moving this forward. Uh, but secondarily, he said, and I don't think a lot of people caught it. He said, "Well, I think the way to go in the future," he says, "for Twitter is I'd like to have a menu and people can choose from different algorithms." Now, I think this is a very good idea. Uh, I would love to, I would like to choose and say, today I want my anger algorithm and just piss me off so I can yell and shout. Or today I want my happy algorithm. Show me only happy puppies. Um, because that's what social media is. It's a drug. It's triggering your, you know, your, uh, your receptors and your uh, dopamine. And this has all been clinically proven. This is no, no hocus pocus. So 
you know, they hold back likes and shit when you're about to leave and then they throw them at you to keep you sticking there. So, you know, these things are changing because they have to, because Dorsey will lose out. People will just go somewhere else. They w- they're all going to leave. They're, they will abandon the platforms. They will abandon the, the mainstream news. Uh, these shifts, I'm old enough to have seen it. It's, it. You know, MySpace would never go away, by the way. Just, you know, MySpace was the shit. That was it. Tom Freston, who used to run MTV Networks, got fired at Viacom for not buying my- MySpace. I mean, need I say more? Holy shit. You know, AOL, AOL America Online was a revolution. I mean, this was great. You had a a graphical user interface. Um, It was a safe place to explore online. Um, When you, uh, when you, uh, when you logged in, the first thing you heard was, you've got mail, you know, all of this groovy stuff. And then people started hearing about this internet and they were talking to America online and saying, Hey, you know, we want this internet. Can you hook us up to this internet thing? And, and uh, we want a, uh, what is this thing called a browser and AOL reluctantly after a while said, okay, people, well, if you really want that scary internet, it's very dangerous on this side of the wall because you know, they've got stuff like porn out there. Then here's a little browser, man. They opened that porthole. And two years later, AOL was a dial-up company. They had no business in the content business because people want it. They want the scary alternative. Why do people go on crazy journeys? Why do they climb mountaintops? Why do they base jump? Uh, Why do they do dangerous drugs? People love it. So we're the danger side. So we always have the upside. And I don't think we're stoppable. You know, I just don't think we're stoppable. They haven't stopped Bitcoin. They're trying to buy podcasting. So fuck that Spotify. Seriously, <laughs> fuck that. Right. Not afraid of you. I don't think they'll be successful. Uh, Just, I don't think so either, honestly. I mean, they have not been profitable with their music business, so I'm not sure how they're going to do it with podcasting. Well, I think the from a creator standpoint, like I actually hand up, I distribute my podcast via anchor which is owned by spotify mm-hmm. and i actually know i know people on the anchor team that's from the nature of the gentleman who helped me stop start this podcast where frank her a little bit particularly yep. on the ads side too because i actually worked at ad sales for podcasting at barstool sports for a little bit um oh really oh, okay so i know that the ad sales another, another rebel though another rebel you know it's like yeah. barstool sports is rebellious man Oh, very, very. Dave Portnoy is uh, one of the most interesting characters I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and a great example of work ethic and just grinding towards a personal goal that actually wound up changing the world um, in the content medium there. But knowing the ad side from that experience of selling ads there, it's it's lucrative. Um, and so you can throw a lot of money at these creators, but Spotify, we did some user research they asked me if i like if i would like whatever like think about like just promoting exclusively on spotify and it's like looking at the stats that they provide on anchor only five percent of my listeners listening via spotify so just as a creator like i wouldn't want to constrict myself to five percent of my audience right now well this is what uh spotify is learning and we can see that in their actions 
Um, I believe that the person who listens to Spotify music on the app is not necessarily the same person that listens to podcasts. Uh, a lot of people fill up their drive time or their making the bed time or walking the dog time by listening to music. And a lot of people, 100 million in the United States, listen to podcasts. The two are not necessarily the same person. And yes, you can buy uh, several million people by forcing them to use the Spotify app to listen to Joe Rogan. But as it turns out, you can't get those Joe Rogan people listening to the Michelle Obama podcast. And here's the moves they made that tells me they're in trouble is the Michelle Obama podcast was exclusive to Spotify. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, it's so good. This podcast is so good. We're going to let any app uh, play the Michelle Obama podcast because it's so good. It needs to get out everywhere. Well, no, you couldn't fill your ad inventory. You oversold that fucking thing. You launched with Johnson and Johnson with Dawn and uh ivory soap or whatever yeah you couldn't deliver the audience so now you need to put it everywhere else in order to fill the ad buy and that's why they bought megaphone because they know they can't deliver the inventory in their sai their streaming ad insertion so they bought a company that does dynamic ad insertion for about five thousand podcasts so it's not not chicken feed um but that's so it can monetize outside of the spotify ecosystem so you knowing something about the ad business the way they're going to sell it is a blended cpm and it'll be buy buy 20 percent on spotify with the sai because then we have all the statistics we know exactly what marty's listening to we know where he's listening yeah we know what he's doing on his phone when he's listening we know if he's walking if he's lying down if he's sitting if he's in the car we know everything about marty so we're going to give and he loves bitcoin and we're going to give Marty all the podcasts that he loves. And we, we have a profile. He has a nine-month-old kid. He's, uh, you know, they know all about you. Uh, they got your credit card and everything. And so that's a great buy. And then they'll say, now just average that out and take our, the 80% in the dynamic world where we have less, um, well, they it's called tracking, but they call it, uh, what is the word? Attribution. Attribution. <laughs> <laughs> Attri thank you. At we don't have enough attribution. Yeah, I mean, you can't track people the way you'd like to outside of Spotify. And that's how they're going to sell it. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about podcast ads and the success of those ad campaigns. It really is dependent on the particular podcast. Like the download stats to me are all bullshit. It's all about engagement post. Um, post I've not. I've not. Uh, We've not looked at our stats in a decade because we never had to. Because I don't care how many people listen. I care how much money they support the show with so I can pay my rent. And that's been our only metric ever. Yeah. And similarly here at TFTC, it's just been follow-up conversation on social media, particularly Twitter, predominantly Twitter. Um, the freaks are very, very vocal. There's, we have a bunch of parody accounts, which is very flattering and actually course, pretty hilarious as well. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how you can, you can look at the downloads, but the engagement and the actual engagement with the content and follow-up conversation is what is success in my mind, at least getting people thinking and talking about this stuff. Yeah. That's really what I like about the Sphinx chat environment is that, you know, it, 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 
they created this engaged interactivity within the podcast listening group or tribe as they describe it it gave that immediately something that we don't really have in podcasting um we have some of it in with youtube comments um and we have you know insta live and periscope where you can do some of that in a in a rolling chat or a youtube live but not like this where you can just be in there talking crap um and if you're playing the podcast you can boost stuff and then the podcast can check back on the timeline and see where those boosts came in and can make appropriate programming decisions about what people like or not. I mean, this has never been seen before. This is a level of engaged interactivity, which is fucking mind blowing. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's incredible to be a part of, you feel like you're a part of something in the early days and thinking the later days and like sort of containing or maintaining is probably the, the better word here. Uh, a, a, an environment in the tribe where it's actually um, it's not too crowded like say with the scales and we get hopefully luckily a thousand members in the TFTC tribe like does that chat room get too loud and if so do you just increase the, the minimum it just increase your stats right? yeah. yeah no this to, is a, this is a wonderful yeah incentivize better conversation right well it's the only way to control spam yeah it's the only way to control it and not even control, but it's the only way. So first you have the spam portion, like, and just for people who don't know, when you post a message in a Sphinx chat, there's two payments. One is for the actual message, which is typically one, uh, uh, one Satoshi and you stake an amount, uh, which I think the default is 50 or something. And if you're kicked out of the group or leave or, you know, whatever else uh, for bad behavior after a set amount of time, an hour, I think it is, you, you can set whatever you want. Then you forfeit all those 50 cent, uh, 50 uh, sat payments that you made. Um, but if you hang around and you don't leave the tribe, I mean, you can exit, but not unsubscribe, I guess. You get your Satoshis back after an hour. So it really is a great mechanism to not have people spamming because it would be too costly. Um, at the same time, you can use those higher amounts. And I actually caught myself, I was, um, who was the, uh, uh, who is the podcaster, what's her name? Hold on a second. Anita Posh. Anita Posh, thank you. So who, who was also invited me on her show, I have not uh, scheduled that yet. But uh, so Anita had like a, but 10,000 Satoshi join fee. Now that's a dollar and I have dollars, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, I caught myself thinking, is it really worth this? Should I, and of course I did it, but I'm like, should I, that's 10,000 Satoshi. That's a dollar. Should I really go into this? Is it, am I going to spend my time wisely? This exercise, I mean, I'll blow 10 bucks for nothing, you know, without even looking, but once I the value proposition was presented so blatantly to me and not free you know so free is expensive because the free world gave us tracking and uh, yeah, deplatformability and you know getting kicked off and services turned off and anything that's free turns out as damn expensive so if you just want to pay for something straight up honest and you really have to think about it man it, it fucks with your head and it's not about the it's it's you make 
choices differently. Well, you, you lower your time preference, right? And you time preference, exactly right. That's exactly it. You have a collective societal lowering of the time preference. I think you're going to see quality verberate throughout everything we touch, whether it be podcasting. Um, architecture is one I like to think about building mm-hmm. less crappy buildings because you're you're thinking about the opportunity <laughs> cost of, yeah. of just just continuing to build this plastic crap. It's great. Like, so are you build in on like the sound monetary aspects of Bitcoin? Um, Sorry, I, I know. You're you're pretty bought in on the sound monetary aspects. You're a fellow from, yes, from the way well. I understand it. Yes, of course. I mean, it's basically the reverse of everything that's being done uh, and has been done in the fiat world for uh, for centuries. It's or decades for sure. Um, so I I I, I understand it. Uh, I see the proof because I saw it go from zero to twenty thousand. Um, uh, I, you know, I've read the white paper, obviously, so I understand the philosophy behind it. And uh, again, the proof is just there for me that uh, um, it's a great place to fuck around with your money because there's uh, mathematically uh, the likelihood it will become worth more over time. So you can just safely do stuff. Yeah. Bitcoin respects your time more than uh, the U.S. dollar. <laughs> yes, and now it has a slow time. It's slow, but it's you know it's been three years since we uh, we peaked at twenty thousand, and look, lo and behold, uh, it's back. Yeah, but touching back to like you're, you're building this podcasting and supporting the Lightning Network for your children and grandchildren. I think I like to think I'm doing that as well for my son and his future children, potential brothers and sisters. And that's like how, I think we need to put into context how bad we fucked things up, both from a monetary <laughs> perspective, like you know, giving up all well, these Well, I, I don't know if we fucked it up. We we inherited yeah. a lot, obviously. Yeah, um, it's, pretty fu- and, it's pretty fucked up, though. Well, you know, my whole family is a uh, military and intelligence. I'm kind of the black sheep of the family. And uh, there's sufficient CIA uh in my family and uh, like old cia not today's cia but the the old jump out of airplanes and save the world cia and um they've made some really fucking stupid decisions but i know that they did it from a place of patriotism uh and thinking that it was good and i would say the same in general for most of our leaders probably thought that this would be right. And, you know, even the Federal Reserve makes decisions that they think will be right, uh, but they don't know. I mean, this is, the, this is the big thing. It's like, no, you've never really been right. It doesn't, you know, the system doesn't really function that way. And interestingly enough, if you go back in time and go back 250 years or so, you see that in general, the U.S. Constitution seems to kind of gel with human beings and human nature and human life in general where you start from the i mean you can walk out on the street right now and sadly you can ask 10 people and none of those 10 people will understand the bill of rights uh, because they all think that you're given some first amendment right and some second amendment right so you can you you were given the right to free speech um, but most of these people have not read or have forgotten they read uh, the Constitution. And the Bill of Rights is actually the opposite. The Bill of Rights says the people have all these rights. They are inherent. 
God-given, you know, that's what it says, uh, God-given rights. Uh, and this is a document that tells you what the government is not allowed to do. But 10 out of 10 people you ask on the street will think that the, that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights gave them the, those rights instead of limiting the government uh, in the way they could infringe upon your God-given rights. This is the education system. If you teach your children to hate its country, the country cannot survive. And this goes back to your CCP comment. Um, the Chinese Communist Party and its philosophy has been uh, ingrained. They play long game uh, into our finance system, our entertainment system, our sports systems, our educational systems, our medical systems, uh, our religious systems. Look at what uh, has happened with this particular pope and what he has uh, succumbed to and allowed to happen uh, in China and specifically, but also, um, you know, the, the deals he's been taking, the Vatican's taking money from uh, CCP. So they have really done a good job of fooling around at the at the behest of their at the uh, to the detriment of their own people by devaluing their currency keeping them in perpetual slavery to try and do the same everywhere um and the confucius institutes um have literally been teaching um very radical ideas that are incompatible with the core belief that you are a free sovereign individual and human being uh, and that uh, you have all these rights, they have really taken this and flipped it around to where I see kids saying, oh, yeah, no, I'm a communist. I'm, I love communism. It's much better than what we have now. By the way, those Chanel earrings, they look great. You know, this, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh, so it's stoppable, man. It's stoppable. But we... We we're entertaining ourselves to death. We're we're too much on the TLs. We're watching the the TVs. You got to pay attention to our kids. Take them out to the woods. Throw a ball around. Give the kid an old laptop and a Linux distro and say, install that kid and let me know when you're done. That's what we need right. to do. It's insane. It's it's crazy how entrenched it's all been. I mean, uh, to the point where. The Harvard professor from earlier this year got arrested by the FBI for taking grant money from the Wuhan yeah. Virology Center that yeah. was working on uh, the virus that became COVID-19. Uh, and that's, well, speaking of the Bill of Rights and like natural laws, I, I like to say Bitcoin is the greatest extension to natural law theory in quite a while since potentially the Bill of Rights and, and the fact that your private property rights in the digital world are protected by this protocol and preserved by mm -hmm. this protocol um, and cannot be controlled by any one party, which is extremely powerful, especially thinking about property in the digital age. Mm -hmm. and, um, thank God we have, because it helps us claw back the, the most important aspects of private property, which is freedom of association and to move your, your money, your capital, which is your property. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly, exactly right. Um, as is determined by the Supreme Court, money is free speech. That's it. <laughs> it's the bottom line. Yeah. It's 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 real free speech. You know, I can put my money where my mouth is. These uh, these expressions exist for a reason, uh, and you can. And you're you're right. You're completely sovereign in it. And uh, but this this trustless uh, system is so beautiful 
for so much of society. Um, you know, so we, we see that we don't need banks, but you kind of don't need lawyers, um, you know, having property agreements, uh, all of this stuff. You just don't need the middleman. And we've grown up to certainly in the United States, we've become a culture of middlemen. So uh, it's kind of started with, you know, everybody has a lawyer, which I think is a very bad idea. Um, uh, but also it's like, you know, we don't go over and anymore to the neighbor's house and say, hey, man. If you just turn the music down, it's 1130. No, we call the cops or we call the community code or whoever the fuck we call. We call 311 or 411 or 911, whatever we call. We, we've become uh, very secluded from human interaction and uh, always are looking for a middleman. And uh, it's scary for a lot of people, you know, who not to have a... Uh, a, a trusted figure and like, hey, man, I'm responsible for my money right now. You know, if I forget my my seed, I'm fucked. And then I did it. But no one else can do that to me. Only I can. So this is a huge responsibility. Yet it turns out, man, it's not really that bad compared to all the other ways I store my money. This is a pretty good one. You know, the machine can blow up, burn up, and I can retrieve all my coins tomorrow. Yeah, Bitcoin incentivizes extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. Take take care of your shit. Have it unlock. Be a good first principles thinker. Like it's that's one thing Bitcoiners get derided a lot for is being like Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin fixes everything. Um, uh, but I truly believe it does fix a lot of things. Like just the, the well, fact we're not that we're not far off. We're not far off. No, it forces you to, again to lower your time preference, and that ultimately leads to better decision making arguably due to the fact that you're weighing opportunity costs harder. Well, that, um, yes, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. You opportunity costs, but also risk. And uh, if anything, we've gotten very bad at assessing risk. That's what this, uh, what this period has shown us as well is that people do not assess risk, uh, are not capable of it and are too trusting in other third parties to assess their risk for them. Whereas if you really think logically, if you do some study, if you if you look a little bit further than the headlines, you'll find out that your risk is actually lower, and that you there's a lot of things you sh should and can be can do, but uh, dependent upon your own risk, which is the risk to your own family, your own health, whatever. These are things that the individual can determine, uh, but not when you're completely pampered from cradle to grave. Then you just I mean, go along. It's like, I'm compliant. Tell me what to do. Yeah. And this is ingrained in our system. Like the Fed central bank completely removes risk from the banking sector. Hey, go make a bunch of terrible loans that eventually go bad. We'll bail you out. Yep. Misallocate all that capital. Nothing's going to go happen to you. We'll come if you're the airlines and you guys have to shut down. Like, and you didn't save a cash balance. Don't worry. We'll print money, give it to you. And that sort of mindset of, hey, here's a bailout. Risk doesn't exist. We can print We can print it out of existence. Yeah. Um, it starts to permeate throughout culture and society. Oh, it's better now. Now they have immunized money. This is a beautiful trick. This is your modern monetary theory. It's like, uh, and in a way, the, the Trump tax cut proved that, you know, you can print as much as you want. It doesn't make any difference. Shit's at 0%. It's what it's going to be. Only way to go is negative. 
enter the CBDCs and uh, we'll just devalue your money right in front of your eyes. You won't see it because it'll be, you know, 12 digits behind the decimal point, but we're devaluing it slowly. <laughs> we're taking it away bit by bit. It'll melt away. And here's your here's your air, airdrop CBDC. Uh, you have two hours to spend it. You can only spend it on high fructose corn syrup. There you go. Um, or at these FBs. approved vendors. Right. It's coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Freaks. Well, that's what UBI is going to be all about. That's why, you know, they had in the in the original Heroes Act, um, they had the, the digital dollar stuck in there, man. You've got Bernie and AOC shilling for the uh, Banking for All Act right now, which is what this is about. This is about the Fed now and, uh, and the Treasury coin, which is, of course, all part of the QS, QFS, the off-world financial blockchain, which is based on XRP, XRP, and Ripple will become a trillion company overnight. You know, we've all heard this. Uh, unlikely, but they totally want to do something. Oh, they're going to. They need to. They need to compete, right? Or at yep. least on optics. Yep. CBDCs, at the end, they really don't compete with Bitcoin. They can't provide the same utility that bitcoin provides there's no 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 of course not of course not but we all understand why they're doing it i mean if yeah. i if i were president and that is a possibility obviously um any anybody can become <laughs> president any age any background uh i would turn the treasury into a mining operation immediately start mining right away and you know what? Let's try and hook up some of those uh, solar cells to make it work. Oh, that doesn't work? All right, bring in a generator. <laughs> bring in some nuclear power. Damn it. Let's fire that shit up and let's get mining. Well, that's what I, outside of this podcast, I work for a company called Great American Mining. Mm -hmm. And uh, we use our energy source to run our generators. We use f gas, natural gas would otherwise be flared or vented on oil. Mm -hmm. fields. Oh, so, so you got free, free gas, basically. Very cheap gas, yeah. very cheap power I, production. I visited uh, the guys here in uh, between Houston and uh, and Austin. There's a place that is – it's in the desert, basically, and it's a divide where – we have a huge grid in Texas. So this is where the, the eastern grid, grid and the western grid kind of come together. And um, so it's this huge transformer hub. And these guys have 60,000 Bitmain machines running, and they're on a 750-megawatt pipe right, as big as my head. It's unbelievable. I mean, this, the mining that is going on is just its incredible. And I think that really helped me, this is not too long ago, understand that Bitcoin really is about energy. I mean, and that's very tangible, and there's... That uh, Max Kaiser is much more maximalist at that than I am to see that big picture. But when I hear him talk about it, I'm like, yeah. He said, you know, to him, he's he's already there. He's like, Bitcoin is love. I'm like, <laughs> I, I I think I understand what you're saying, Max. But yeah, I'll get there. But yeah, that's I think I think he's right. You know, this, this is a a real human effort that's taking place. Yeah, and it's this was predicted actually. So Henry Ford of all people uh, in December of 1921 wrote an op-ed in the New York Tribune, basically making his case that making the case that we should move from a gold standard to uh, a currency standard backed by kilowatt energy expended. Huh. Really? Uh, kilowatt hours of energy expended. Yes. Yeah, so I'll show you the clip. 
uh, I'll show you a PDF of the, the Tribune article after we finish this up. But so this is something. And then after him, Buckminster Fuller in the 70s or 80s said something very similar. Like if you want world peace, if you want to end all wars, you have to move from a, a currency backed by a sovereign nation to a currency backed by energy. And that's Bitcoin allows that to happen now. Like these ideas have been around for over a century now at this point, yet there's been no technology that could successfully implement them due to the fact that you can't coordinate time geographically. The latency of the information traveling uh, is too much to, to solve that problem without Bitcoin's proof of work to prove mathematically that something happened mm-hmm. um, at a certain, that something happened. Right. Um, and so it's pretty crazy. We're getting to that currency. Oh, we're there. Energy. Yeah, we're there, obviously. I mean, I, I saw them ramp up or shut down power based upon the pricing. It's like, oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, mining's, mining's uh, not enough margins. Shut them down. Shut down 10,000 machines. Well, that's it's interesting, though, because that's actually one of the biggest things that people throw at Bitcoin as something, uh, as a reason why it should be shut down is this energy consumption. And so that's one thing. Sure. We've sure. really been trying to get in front of a great American mining specifically is that narrative that Bitcoin is boiling the oceans. It's like, well, actually, if you look at the type of energy that's being consumed, it would otherwise be wasted, stranded, um, or, or, or literally set on fire and sent into the atmosphere. So you might as well. Yeah, be I like I like it because it uh, it demands nuclear energy. It demands oh, yeah. it. It's gonna incentivize us to get to yeah. a type type one civilization. And, you know, backyard reactors are a thing now. Now, you can power a neighborhood with a single reactor. Uh, they have no waste. They actually eat their own waste. I mean, this is the new reactors, thermonuclear reactors, have, they're so advanced over, you know, this bull crap that we have been taught in school that it's dirty, it's going to kill you, uh, the plant will explode. I mean, there's all this stuff that has been negated with the technologies. Um, so we, we just need to get there. It's just people have you know, different uh, reasons for wanting to keep fossil fuels and different reasons for wanting to go uh, with the so-called renewables. Uh, but the, none of them have to do with the sound economics of the world, really. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we need fucking power, baby. We are power hungry. So nuclear is, in, in my mind, still the best technology for it, uh, the cleanest, uh, the easiest to do, uh, it's expensive to build. Uh, but man, your 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 power to weight ratio or whatever that's called is is pretty good once you get it up and running. Yeah, the power density is pretty insane. Um, yeah, and if, if it if a successful nuclear implementation is able to drive Bitcoin mining profit margins uh, higher, then yes, it will happen because Bitcoin sucks in everything around it yeah i think we have to get there at a certain point it's just the the complexity will be there and we'll just need more machines more power um it'll have to happen i kind of like that you know the demand will either kill us or we'll get our shit into we'll get our house in order we'll We'll create dyson spheres we'll go we'll go put them around other stars (laughs) there you go when you collectively lower uh, society's time preference, you're able to do great things like this. Um, now, yeah, I think I think it happens. I think we'll get to nuclear. I think it starts in the oil and gas industry. Literally, the profit that can be made with that gas by consuming it to mine Bitcoin instead of just flaring it is orders of magnitude higher 
and it's undeniable. So uh, we're pretty convinced that the oil and gas industry is going to start plugging in Bitcoin mining infrastructure. Once that's built out, like the order of operations is, all right, we've got this figured out. Now let's go to nuclear. Then you start mm -hmm. looking at space. Yeah, I I concur. Absolutely. Well, it is uh, surreal to be on the front lines with you, uh, <laughs> considering how ingrained you are at the Lightning Network now at Podcasting 2.0. And again, I want to really stress that I, Lightning Network, I don't want to say it was a solution looking for a problem, but it was looking for like a perfect product market fit. And I think this podcasting application off the bat to um, industries or technologies, if you will, with really robust open source communities uh, and passionate communities with a very freedom focused mentality is just a match made in heaven. And I think I'm really excited for what's going to come forth from all this. Me too, man. And uh, I am happy to be in the frontline trenches with you uh, and with all the, uh, all the freaks and uh, anyone else who wants to join in we're we're a, a very fun loving crowd <laughs> um and i am just delighted to be uh to be in a place where i'm meeting all these cool people with uh with very open minds and uh, different perspectives but a lot of ideas a shitload of knowledge i'm just getting up to speed on on everything uh, I can see a lot of people who've been around a couple blocks on tests, and I see the enthusiasm for this. And without a doubt, you are definitely you are pushing this very hard, and, and it's highly appreciated. Uh, as is the work of all the developers, because that's really you know, for me, I feel like I'm a kid in the candy store. You know, I I, I get to dream, and then a whole bunch of guys and girls sits down and and makes it work. And, you know, so that's Paul and that's Evan and that's, uh, um, but it's also Roy over at Breeze and his team who are working on it. And it's, uh, it's Martin and David and, and CSB and all these people who are developing stuff over at Podcast Index. Uh, it's, you know, it's uh, James Cridland who's writing for Pod News. I mean, it's just so many beautiful people who are making this happen. And uh, we all have our own little battles that we're fighting. But yes, we are in the trench together. And I see us move uh, up a trench every every couple of days, and like holy crap, here we are. And again, I'm looking at my log, and I just see streaming satoshis every day of every minute, uh, of every hour, and I know that the machine is there. We've we've done it. We have created the machine. Now we need more apps. We need more podcasts, and the rest will come because podcasting is a marketing machine you know you talk to your listeners uh they're going to tell their favorite podcast because they listen to you and five other podcasts they're going to tell them yo bro get lightning enabled they're going to do it they'll talk to their audience it, you know it just it's a it's a matrix that goes very very fast um yeah. witness the rise and fall of patreon that went in a couple of years so we just want rise no fall uh and i think we can there's nowhere to go but up no, i think the model uh, of streaming straight to app developers and, and content creators is is very uh, appeasing to both of those audiences, particularly. So, where can we help out? If there's, there's, I'm sure there's some podcasters listening to this, some listeners of podcasts listening to this. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you listen to podcasts. Um, how yeah. can people who want to um, help out specifically should they get go, go to um, 
Mastodon website? Yeah, there's a couple things. So first of all, uh, podcastindex.org is uh, the main website for what I'm doing, for what we're doing with, with our group and our developers and everyone around that. And uh, from the menu there, you can, if you're a developer, you can get keys, your API keys. Um, you can also just search podcast there and play them there if you want. We have a page now with, with apps that are using some of the new functionality. Um, and uh, I would say the best way to support right now is to get, uh, uh, the, I don't think the Sphinx app is in the, in the app store just yet. It's still on test flight. But as soon as that comes out, you know, grab a, grab a, grab a Sphinx app. They'll probably charge you a couple bucks for which will be, you'll have some Satoshis in there to play with uh, because they have a node, you know, they're setting up a full node and uh, just join some tribes, man. Join the TFTC tribe, uh, join the podcasting 2.0 tribe, whatever else you want. Uh, Tribes.sphinx.chat is where you can find other tribes and, uh, and stay tuned because, you know, every podcast that is switched on to this is going to be talking about it. And, uh, you know, we're not far away, I think, weeks from a couple of standalone apps that are key send outbound so they don't need a node. Um, and you can, we can just deploy a million of them. And uh, as long as people are willing to fill it up with some Satoshis, then we've got a system. Uh, we have the system, then it'll really be, we just need to add gas. <laughs> just we need to pour fuel on the fire. It's there. So propagate the formula, tell everybody about it. Um, and let everybody know podcasting 2.0 is coming and everybody's welcome. All can participate and everybody can stream value in all directions. Hell yeah. And the Bitcoin podcasting, uh, world is, is vast. So you're going to have a bunch of podcasters who are also Bitcoiners giving early user feedback, which is going to be even better for this. So hell yeah. Adam, thank you for paving the way to make this conversation possible um to to push uh content mediums and um uh, creator monetization into into new worlds new new models that are imperative moving forward i, w I would argue um yeah thank you for all that it, it really an honor to have two hours of your time to have this conversation it was it was a pleasure marty it's my pleasure and thanks to all the freaks for uh for sticking with it for two hours and listening to us um, I really appreciate what you're doing. You are definitely a driving force in this. So know that you are on the on the front lines pushing this, and it's uh, it's great to see it. And I really appreciate it. And uh, just to remind everybody, that's saying that all hell is going to break loose, and you're going to need a Bitcoin. That's all you need to know, people. Peace and love, freaks. The key. <laughs>